dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Work sometimes seems more like a rat race than anything else. Putting in time every day, dedicating our labors to things, we wonder what the real point is after all. Many people even look for purpose outside of their work, saying that their work really is purposeless. I wonder what Christ thinks about that. In today's talk, I want to focus us in on the real meaning of progress and the real point of our work. Hi, everybody. I'm just so glad to be with you again. Here we are with this important question in front of us. Why do we do what we do every day? Now, it's, it's amazing to me that we are able, even able to do what we do every day when we really can't answer that question. <laughs> so many people can't. They would say, I do what I do. Whatever. I just go numb and I put in my time at the desk. I put in my time at the office. I do what I'm supposed to be doing, but in the end, I'm not really sure why I'm doing it. And this is an honest to goodness assessment for many people in our lives. Are you happy with your job? If you could have a different job, would you take it? Let's put it that way. Is this, is this, is this the contribution you wanted to make to the universe? You know, when God puts you on this earth, do you think he put you there in order to do what you're doing? So many people don't. And I'm amazed by that personally, because like, if, if you're not doing what you think you should be doing, then why are you doing it? Right? So like, I, I get it, like naively, we could say, well, it's because, I mean, you should just always align your passion and your purpose, you know, your, your, what you're doing every day ought to be what you're most passionate about, you know, but I realize that that's not possible for many of us for many reasons, you know, and you could feel very much trapped and what you're doing right now. I think though, that there's a way for us, if there's a way for God to create the world out of nothing and to create the entire universe out of the void, maybe, just maybe, there's a way for him to find and give you a purpose on the inside of what you're doing that is actually more profound even than what you produce by doing it. In other words, the power of the gospel of Christ is, is so immense in its truth. And what he gives us through his example and through his life is so utterly powerful. The gift of the Holy Spirit, who is God, into our souls is so real that he is able to even transform what is psychologically difficult or mentally challenging or emotionally void for us and fill it with meaning and purpose if we let him. And I, and I mean that. I mean, this is what's so great about being a Catholic priest. I get to go around giving hope. <laughs> you know, well, get, get ready for some hope here. Your job is not outside of the redemption. 
and your occupation is not outside of the power of the cross. And the power of Christ's resurrection, yes, believe it or not, has the, 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 the capacity, the power and strength of the light issuing forth from his tomb has the capacity to penetrate your present day gloom. Absolutely. And here's how. I want to start us off with a prayer as we deep dive into this spirituality of work in our ninth of ten part series. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I think, you know, without a doubt, work is an experience that is not always joyful for us. I want to begin with that, right? Because the last thing we need is a Catholicism that's full, that's a pipe dream, right? And for many of us, that's how we've heard the gospel preached to us. It's almost like people who have never worked before <laughs> end up telling us how, when, what work should be like. And usually we end up feeling guilty because the message comes across saying this, you should be doing what you like to do. And if you don't like what you do, then change what you're doing. When you're just like, that must be nice for you. You know, it reminds me of that, that comment that someone made when I was ordained a Catholic priest. And I'd spent, you know, years uh, before that, all of my formative years were spent in manual labor. You know, for I was a janitor. I was a garbage man. I was a roofer. I, did, I used to work, you know, all kinds of lawn work. I know what it's like to work and I know the pain of work. I even spoke to you last time about my experience gathering chicken eggs. And I'm just telling you, if anybody thinks that they've, they want an experience of mind-numbing labor, try to go ahead and gather in 5,000 chicken eggs and see how you do, right? Then do it the next day, do it the next day. I know what this is like and I know how difficult it can be. And when I was ordained a priest, I remember this person came up to me and they said, remember father, from now on, it's chalices, not calluses. Just chalices, not calluses, you know, for my hands. And I just, I remember not liking that statement very much, you know, because they were saying it as if like, you know, this was a good thing. And I'm like, it's not a good thing. Those, chal those calluses that I've earned on those, my hands that now hold chalices, I hope I never lose. And why? Because even in the drudgery and the difficulty and the heat and the sweat of those jobs that were hard and where I wished that I had another way out and where I dreamt of how they could end and how the reason I was doing them was to get the money so that I didn't have to do these anymore. I understood that. But there was something that happened inside of me in that process. And there's a, something that happens inside of you in the process of what you're doing, which is greater than the product that you're making. Without a doubt, work can be dehumanizing and dehumanizing labor needs to be stopped. Without a doubt, if my managers had been more intelligent and more humane and more Catholic, they could have made a workplace environment for me that was better, right? Without a doubt. And so I'm not saying that it's okay and we just need to acquiesce into it. 
And there are some times where absolutely a job change is the only way out. And it's a very important thing. I acknowledge all of that. And I acknowledge the situations that are in front of each one of you as you struggle to find the meaning and the purpose behind what you do. It's real. From burnout, which is a real condition. I'm thinking of my doctors, you know, and how, how difficult it is going through residency and then you're trying to balance kids while you're doing everything in your career. Physicians have an incredibly hard life. And, uh, from, from, from that type of, of reality to a management situation which is crushing to you to a workplace environment that's hostile to your morality. There's all kinds of things that entrap us and take things away. I just want to ask, is there any hope? Like, where are you going to turn? If you can't get out of that situation, for whatever reason, where are you going to turn? I want you to turn to Christ. And I want you to realize that he is within himself the capacity to transform this darkness and this pressure and this evil even that's around you into a spring. A spring of spirituality and a spring of hope in life. Jesus is bigger than this world and his cross and his glory permeate the very fabric of our human experience. And therefore he's present in you right now. We need to reach out to Christ and trust that he knows you. He sees you. He is there in your labors. He's there in your toil. And he wants to reach you with a word of hope. I am the resurrection and the life. And I am your resurrection. And I am your life. Let me in. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. You know, the, the vision that, that Christ himself cast for us for work is a biblical one. He, he's the man of work. Pope John Paul II in his letter, encyclical letter, Laborum Exercens, which is all about the dignity of human work, he outlines all the different places where you can find work in, in the Bible. It's amazing. The Bible mentions pharmacists. It mentions scholars. It mentions fishermen, merchants, laborers, sowers, shepherds. There's all kinds of images that are, are speak to us about work. And when Jesus Christ became a man, he became a man who was a man of a trade, right? St. Paul himself was a tent maker and is proud of it, boasts of that. He says, you know, when I was among you, I didn't rely on you for anything. As a matter of fact, I worked with my own hands. I, he plied his trade. It's amazing, amazing to think of Paul making tents and Paul trying to sell you a tent. Could you imagine? <laughs> just, you, you go, it, seems so, it just seems so surreal, right? To go into the store and there's St. Paul on the other side of the counter saying, oh, you'd like this one, I'm sure, you know, as he shows you his tents that he's making. It's real. It's, it's just crazy to think about that. And that's how real God wanted his ministers to be. Now that expression, you know, Father, from now on, his chalices, not calluses. It's not a Christian way of looking at life, you guys. It, the, those calluses, St. Paul, he had calluses. Jesus had calluses. Why shouldn't his priests today have calluses? This is ridiculous. We need to be people who embrace this gospel of work. St. Paul puts it this way, right? With toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not put a burden on any of you. And so, so that he even says later on, if anyone will not work, let him not eat. That's St. Paul. You don't want to work? 
then don't eat. So whatever task he says, whatever your task is, St. Paul writes in another spot, he says, work heartily as if you were serving God and not men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the, inherit his, the inheritance as your reward. What's Paul telling us? First key, when you're looking for purpose in your job and you can't exchange a job for another, you're kind of stuck there for a while. First thing, do it for God. If you were to be, this is especially key when you find yourself in working situations which really are hostile. I mean, when you're not getting along with your teammates or if your manager has got something out against you, I mean, they can really make life miserable for you. And what they, they can only do though that to the degree that you let them. I know I kind of sound like a, a grade school dad, right? Talking to his son, but it's true at the same time. Just like a son would look at his bullies and everything, and your dad, and you say, you know what you do to those bullies? You just ignore them. Because they only have power over, over you to the degree that, they, that you let them. What if you went into your workplace environment convinced that you were doing this for God and that therefore you were just required to do your very best? And that's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to hold your head up high because you were doing this as a service to your community and to your world, and you were doing it in the name of the Lord. You would find an inner freedom there. You know, we, we sometimes just have to claim that freedom that God gives us. I'm not here, you know, in order to have you all approve of me, and I'm not here in order to get along with all of you all. I'm here because God's given me a job to do on this earth. And for as long as I have this job right here, this is the job God's given me. God's given me. And I'm doing this as if I'm serving God. When we do that, we can step into a, a, a different perspective on things. Because suddenly you're kind of like, well, then why am I doing this work? What if the work itself is the problem? I'm thinking of a lot of lawyers who struggle with this. You know, it seemed to be glorious. You know, going to law school, your parents were so proud. You know, you end up graduating from law school, top of your class, you know, or bottom of your class. But at least you made it through, and now you pass your bar exam. And there you are now, you're a certified lawyer. And then you find yourself serving corporations to stoke their greed every single day, right? Now, it's not all lawyers. A lot of lawyers do incredible stuff, but a lot of lawyers are not happy in with their position. And they're sitting there going every day. I'm working long hours. I'm putting in tons of stress. Uh, I remember one lawyer who actually was doing pro bono work for me. God bless him and God bless all those lawyers who help nonprofits in many ways. I remember him saying, Father Nathan, do you realize 80% of my time is pro bono? 80%. It's like everybody thinks, boy, man, these lawyers, they're just racking up. I give 80% of my services away. I'm only able to bill for about 20% of what I do. You know, when you realize that, you think, you know what? This, maybe it's not the easiest of lives. I'm telling you, it's not. Same thing with doctors. Same thing with so many different people, right? We, sometimes that work itself can be a grind and the grind that's grinding us down. What are we to do then? Well, there's an amazing insight that Pope John Paul II gives us in Laborum Exercens. Here I'm quoting from paragraph 26 when he's dealing with what he calls the spirituality of work. And he says this, he says, when a man works, he not only alters things and society, but he develops himself as well. He learns much. He cultivates his resources. He goes outside of himself and beyond himself. 
rightly understood, this kind of growth is of greater value than any external riches which can be garnered. Hence, the norm of human activity is this, that in accord with the divine plan and will, it should harmonize with the genuine good of the human race and allow people as individuals and as members of society to pursue their total vocation and fulfill it. So he's, he's giving us a perspective here. He's like, remember this, that your job and your labor is not supposed to be your whole thing of your life. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be what enables to you to pursue your total vocation and fulfill it. And what's my total vocation? Well, of course, that's a bigger perspective like my family, right? But it's even more than that. It's my relationship with God and it's my growth as a person. How is it that my current day job allows me to grow as a person? Can I get into touch with that? So maybe I'm not able to escape the drudgery and the toil that's a part of it. But where is it that there are positive elements that I can latch onto? What can I find about what I'm doing where I can put some passion behind it? If I'm a lawyer, for example, and I'm practicing this kind of law, which is difficult, I can look at the difficulty, but I can also say, hey, wait a second, two good things are happening here. Number one, I'm earning a paycheck. What are you doing with that page? Are you cashing in on your family vacations or not? There are some people, even though they're in a job that they don't enjoy, who cannot seem to allow themselves that quote-unquote luxury of actually taking a vacation. So you have, you have sick days that you don't use. You have vacation. This is a problem. I think, you know, you can work. You can be so good at your work that even the good work, that, the, the work that takes energy and toil away from you, takes your life away from you, if you're not careful, you'll dedicate yourself to that work just because you're such an ethical person. But this is not the point. John Paul II underlines work is only a part. It enables you to pursue your total vocation. If we put our eyes on the bigger picture of my total vocation, then I can have a better way of grasping, engaging, and incorporating my work in its right and fitting place into my life. What's your total vocation? What's your bigger picture? Who are you called to be? then what you do on an eight-hour basis or 10-hour basis or 12-hour basis a day, that's only a part of the who you are. And then you can start to incorporate even as negative elements, as honing, and that grind is grinding down the bad parts of you as you learn more, as you push beyond yourself, as you change the world, as you use your resources in intellectual and physical you see what I mean? There's, there's a positive messaging here, and I just love when we can grasp it and then try to incorporate that into our lives. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. You know, John Paul II in, in his encyclical Laborum Exercens, paragraph 26 is outlining a spirituality of work for us. And he gives us this, this perspective that my work is only a part of my total vocation. Do you share that perspective? Do you even have a sense of what your total vocation is? <laughs> 
I want to challenge you there because a lot of you don't. If I was to say, write down for me on a piece of paper why you exist on this earth, it would be very challenging. There are some business consultants that go on leadership kind of people. They go around, they write books, they do seminars, they make a ton of money. And the whole thing is helping you to discover your why, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's extremely valuable. I'm glad they're doing that because if a person could be able to tell, if you, if you could tell me why you exist, why you're on this earth, you would have such a power and a freedom in what you, what you undertake on a daily basis a person who's in touch with their deepest under, uh, an understanding of their why is able to align their various toils and troubles and difficulties as having meaning in the light of that why. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the master of your why. Your total vocation is this, to be one with Jesus Christ, the savior of the world in every aspect of your being. Every aspect of your being. To be one with Jesus Christ. The purpose of my life, why I'm here on this earth, is to, is to share in his life so that his, his victory, his soul, his beauty, his intelligence, his win, winning uh, grace can be given through my existence to this world and through my existence to the relationships that I inhabit. It's that Jesus Christ be made known in this world through me, both explicitly, but also just through every dimension of my life, that I become one with him. And if that's my total vocation, then I've got a limitless growth potential. I, every, to learn, to study, to know, to go deeper in growth and relationships, deeper love, more dedicated love, a better love, a higher quality of love. Christ himself is my potential. Christ himself is the horizon that I am, that I'm gazing upon. Christ himself is the goal of my life. What, I mean, what a glorious perspective this is. I'll challenge an atheistic, secularistic perspective all day long on that basis. You have people all the time making, making you feel dumb because you believe in the Bible. Making you feel dumb because you're a Roman Catholic. Oh, therefore you believe in God and all that stuff. And then they kind of snark. What about Noah, right? Kind of big, the ark, you know? Well, I mean like, how about Jonah and the whale, right? Ha, ha, ha. And you're just kind of like, you know what? They've been saying that same stuff for like three, four hundred years the same type of criticism and it's so tired and so old and then you're supposed to be like you know what I just don't even know I don't even know if we have an answer to that it's like guys we've been answering that question for 2,000 years when was the last time you looked up Saint Augustine when was the last time you looked up Saint Jerome when was the last time you went to you know I don't know you could take a look at, at catholic.com an amazing website called Catholic Answers and type in your question what about Noah what about Jonah guys these are basic things and our culture today allows those silly answers to be bandished brandished around and then you lose the perspective of who you are and why you're doing what you're doing because anytime you get in front of someone with that type of personality just say hey wait a second what are you proposing to me that's better you don't, t tell me what your maximum humanity looks like. 
And they're going to give you some sort of, I don't even know what idea of comfort, some sort of ideal of, I don't know, you know, like where there's no sickness, you know, and you're just like, oh, really? Like, this is really going to happen, number one. And then number two, you can just look at them and kind of say, you know what, my, let, let me tell you what mine is. I'm going to live forever and I'm going to share forever to the maximal degree possible for my being in the infinite act of love that is God himself. And you want me to trade this in for, you know, martinis on the beach in Tahiti? <laughs> That's nothing. I'm talking about my entire being being transformed into the infinite love of God, a sharing in that love to the degree granted to me by him, which is the maximal degree possible for my very person. My perspective and growth and progress in this life is God himself. And when I take a look at it from that perspective, suddenly I realize that the work that I'm doing, it has its full meaning in me. This is the third step to making a difficult job a meaningful one. The first is, is, is recognizing that you're doing it for God and not for men. That's the first. The second one is realizing that no matter what, even if it's hard, I still grow out of it. And the third one is to be able to say that this work itself, even if it's difficult, has a, a, is a gift to me that I can use and grab onto and transform by the choice that I make of how I approach it because this work is a part of my union with Jesus Christ. My biggest picture and my biggest perspective is to allow this work to hone down the selfishness and the, 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 the laziness and the vanity in my life. And it's to make me a better person. This is what John Paul II says. It says really amazingly, he quotes here this, uh, the, the Second Vatican Council. And he says, a person is more precious for what he is than for what he has. Similarly, all people do to obtain greater justice, wider brotherhood, and a more humane ordering of social relationships has greater worth than technical advances. For these advances can supply the material for human progress, but for themselves alone, they can never actually make that progress happen. And if I'm able to do that, I'm able to put my work a little bit into a box. And if it's a difficult one, I'm able to say I'm there every day in order to enable me to become a better person and that that better person is going to be deepening my relationships and my relationship with God. And then my work becomes a trampoline, something that I can use every day because God is using it. My difficult work, my drudgery, my toil is oftentimes God's scalpel and it's God's chisel. And it's what God's using to make me into the person that's going to be able to bring Jesus Christ and his truth and his life more deeply into this world. And that, my friends, is what it's all about. Share great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.